The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Interesting people, relatable stories, relevant, topical. This is 630 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. This song always does make me happy. What hasn't been making some people happy, though, is some catalytic converter thefts. And just a couple of texts come in before we get on to this. Um, Sebastian says, problem is metal recyclers aren't doing enough due diligence to make sure they're not taking in stolen parts. Ward in Pigeon Lake says, listen to this. My cousin had his catalytic converter stolen in Legal. They cut it right out from in his parking stall. Wow. where are they selling it? Apparently on Facebook, Gord. And uh, Bob says, I missed the story on this, but mine was just stolen off my truck in the West End. What should be done in reporting it? I miss it. Call the police. Let them know oh, yeah. there's been a there's been a rash of this. And Robert, thanks for the picture of your dog. I always <laughs> love it when the dog pictures come in. Uh, 780-496-0063, the number to uh, get in touch with us at any time. Dr. Gans in early. I know uh-huh. you were just here a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, but because of Christmas, holidays, your, your, uh, your schedule, my schedule, yeah. we thought we'd do it now. Bonus and early. Yeah, get the December one out of the way. And this is this is a really timely one because I think, you know, people think that talking is easy. It's natural, right? It's just natural. But there are folks out there that really struggle with um, talking to strangers, uh, s- striking up conversations. It can be very difficult for some people. Well, a lot of people dread, like, um, like the holiday parties or the the, the cocktail parties or whatever. I mean, I I know like some people just love them and that's sort of their thing, right? But even when you think about public speaking, Mm -hmm. um, the fear of death is actually higher (laughs) than, sorry, the fear of public speaking is actually higher than the fear of death for most people. Um, And it's, uh, I think it's getting worse because as we are more engaged in technology, like, you know, um, social media or texting or different things like that, we're actually not as well practiced at making conversation. I, I know a lot, especially the younger folks, they have a really hard time even picking up the phone and make a phone call, right? They just don't like it. They think it's weird. And, um, you know, so when it comes to actually face-to-face interactions, that's that's a struggle for a lot of people. But there are some basic foundational things that yeah. you can do that will make you per, a person who is easy to talk to and who people want to seek out to connect with. It's interesting. My niece is, uh, she's a great athlete. She's mm-hmm. a great student around family, people she knows. No problem. For her, at 17 years of age, the thought of taking a resume in and having to talk to somebody terrifies mm-hmm. her, like reduces her to tears. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how does that happen? Mm-hmm. How is it that you're a nigh kid? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, all, both of her parents are outgoing, the entire family is outgoing, but something along the way, um, I don't know if it's happened or if it's just a part of her makeup, but she does not want to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just, mm, I remember... You talk about public speaking gans, and I I remember, you know, being grade three, (laughs) grade four, that first time that you have to do it. Yeah, yeah. And it's terrifying. Oh, yeah. Um, And then for some of us, it just goes on. Were you scared the first time? I I was terrified, not just the first time, that like 
2000th time. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I was, uh, oh man, I was painfully shy. Um, I I remember reading in grade one, I don't know, like, they used to have us read out loud, right? Uh-huh. And I'm from the Caribbean, and so my grandmother more or less raised me. And uh, so I had a bit of an accent, even yeah. though I grew up here. And so when I started to read, and people were looking around, it's like, what What are you saying, right? Uh-huh. And it's like, so that was, that was a little embarrassing. I didn't quite know what was going on, but I figured it out eventually. But it was so bad that, um, you know, I took a speech class in uh, grade 11 because I really I really wanted to deal with this. I wanted to be able to ask questions in class and, you know, be able to speak. Uh, I took a speech class. I think there were six or seven people in the class. I had to drop it because I was like, I was like throwing up. I was getting diarrhea. I was, I couldn't function. It was like, it was awful. So and I had to. class to help you. Oh yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. I had to drop it. So. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, um, I know some of our <laughs> listeners and if I remember Sarah, Sarah B has texted in and she's taken like Toastmasters mm-hmm. classes and it's gone a long way to helping, yep. uh, helping her saying, you know what? I needed to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people are naturals at it. Other people, you know, need a little bit of work, but it's not just talking, it's listening as well it is it's well it's it's communication mm-hmm. right communication goes both ways so I mean people think about a, a conversation they think well I just I have nothing to say I don't know what to talk about but it's not really about talking it's about you know yes you need to talk to share who you are and to make that connection initially but most of it is like asking questions and being curious and and you know really caring about the person you're sitting across from to want to connect with them either understand who they are what their experiences have been or also just like seeing who, like what kind of commonalities you guys might have uh, that you've both experienced. You have number one listed, seek first to understand, then to be understood. That is straight from Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That's one of his habits, actually. And that is, you know, it's, it's one of those things where all of us as humans, we, well, particularly for kids, attention and validation equals love, right? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't go away just because we're bigger kids now. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all need that person who is willing to take the time to look us in the eye, smile at us, and actually listen to what we have to say, but then give us something back, like something back in terms of a nod or asking a follow-up question or, or just anything to let us know that they're hearing us and we're being seen and heard and understood and validated. And, that, and when we do that, everything feels better. Our, our physiology settles down. We're much more open to hearing what the other person has to say. So it's a real gift and it's a little bit of a a little bit of a hack, I guess, to, you know, be in the space where, you know, let me hear you. Let me, let me, let me understand who you are. Let me hear what you have to say first. That puts the other person at ease and then helps you to be able to get your point across if it's something you're trying to convince the other person of. So be interested in hearing about the other person. Attention and validation are huge gifts. People notice and appreciate this. I think a lot of folks, when you're nervous, uh, you talk about yourself. (laughs) And you talk fast. And you talk fast and instead of just asking yeah and that goes a long way it is well you know I um I've taken a fair bit of sales training and I was actually in sales for a little while when I was younger I sold vacuum cleaners door-to-door I didn't know that oh yeah 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 yeah. and and you know this is something I I try to encourage my kids to do is like you know whatever you might not stay in the sales career forever but getting that sales training where you actually have to learn how to connect with people really quickly build rapport really quickly how do you establish that connection and and make them feel like you know you're somebody they want to talk to that's that's brilliant training 
thing for all of life. It's like a life skill. And so, and so when that's, that's the secret, that's the key. People buy and whether they're buying like vacuum cleaners or they're buying you for a date or they're buying an idea you want to sell or buying you for a promotion, they, they buy better. They, they feel better when they know that, they, that you care about them. They, when they know and they feel that you like them or mm-hmm. you're connected to them, they will buy whatever it is you're selling a lot more quickly than if you just sort of like throw facts at them or, you know, whatever, talk about yourself or whatever. One of my guests uh, who was on just the other day, Laura Keegan from HIV Edmonton, was telling me a story about being at a wedding. Mm-hmm. And she was sitting beside a teenager, probably like 13, 14 years of age. And uh, the teen was quite, you know, oh, you know, I'm at a wedding and just sitting here kind of looking down, didn't, wasn't really engaging. And she started talking to him mm-hmm. and asked him, you know, hey, what's your name? Mm-hmm. And told her name. Well, what are you into? And she said, he just perked up. He's like, well, what mm-hmm. do you mean? What am I into? Well, what do you like? What do you Who like Who are to you? Do? What's going on with you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he responded, well, I like games. And she said, well, what kind of games? Because I don't know anything about yeah, games. Exactly. And the, uh, she said the, the conversation just blossomed. Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder sometimes because of technology if maybe adults and young people aren't having conversations Mm -hmm. like that as much as we used to when i was a kid my parents made sure that we had conversations with adults yep. on a regular basis. I mean, that was just a part of it. They had mm-hmm. people over. We you had to have good manners. Yeah, you. exactly. Yeah, sit in the dining room or living room and talk, answer questions, tell yeah. them about your school, whatever. Yeah, exactly. It was built in. So is is that something that we need to work harder as yes. adults to do with the younger generation? Absolutely. Uh, I think we need to... We, we, there's because of technology and listen technology is not the enemy right it's just a tool it's yeah. it's a thing right i mean there's some issues with it and but but it's something that we can use and if used effectively is very very good and very helpful but with with the way it's going right now a lot of the stuff that was built in that you wouldn't have to think about you now have to be very conscious about and and one of those things is mentoring the younger generation into some of these life skills mm-hmm. um it, it was a while ago, and I think you and I probably were even talking about it, maybe on air, uh, about the the fact that um, some of the first responders, the the, the new crop, crop of like fire and um, EMTs and police officers and stuff, they passed the written, but they couldn't pass the mm. the actual life skills of the you know what I mean the the interview yeah. skills because they were good at the typing stuff they were good at the social media but looking people in the eye connecting them with them it was a real struggle for a lot of people and so even though they passed a lot of the other um, milestones they didn't have that particular thing so yes i think it is something that younger people the younger generation needs to consciously and deliberately seek out help and guidance and mentoring and practice with but also us older folks <laughs> to be able to bring along the younger folks especially our children into how do we do this and how do we do this well so some of those conversations can be difficult to get started and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're you know 45 years old and talking to a 15 year uh, 15 year old or if you're 45 talking to a 65 year old there's some really great tips and one of them mm-hmm. is uh, is being curious and that's what Laura who was on the other day did we'll talk more about that mm-hmm. with Dr. Gann after this.
Dr. Gans, this is interesting because of all the conversations that we have. A lot of people do sit back and, and listen. Mm-hmm. A lot of people weighing in on having a conversation here and public speaking. Right. So I just wanted to read some of the texts that were coming in. Uh, Ryan says, sometimes people with outgoing parents end up being reclusive. This happens when the outgoing parent presumes to speak for the child all the way through their upri- uh, upbringing. <laughs> and in the case of my wife and her mother, continues on to this day. Right, right. And that can be a real challenge. I've seen it happen in my family. Oh yeah, mine too. My, my daughter is very, very verbal. And so when my son was young, she's a four-year four years older she'd always be talking to him talking for him and so we had to like rein her in a little bit to give him a chance to talk because we, we knew exactly this right like you everybody has to develop that they got to struggle they got to fall down and well-meaning parents and siblings and teachers and friends and stuff like that they want to you know quote unquote protect the person who's you know what they feel might be shy or whatever mm. but you really got to give them space and and understanding that not everybody's timing and cadence is the same. Uh, some people take a little longer to get going, and some people, their their speech is a little more measured, <laughs> right? So they're not always just kind of blurting it off right off the bat, bat. Some people are more thoughtful. They they take some time to think about what they want to say, and then they say it. So it's okay, but you have to make space for everybody to have whatever their particular timing is to be able to get, get their stuff out. Gans, what happens in a relationship, uh, whether it's parents, child, whatever, husband, wife, sisters, mm-hmm. siblings, when that happens and goes on for ages, when the when the when the one ends up having someone else being, you know, uh, someone else answering for them all the time, is there a frustration that goes? Is there resentment that grows there? It, it can be. It can be. Or, or people just like they become dependent. Do you know what oh. I mean? You, you might have seen this with friendships, right? Or or couples too, sometimes where. You know, I've had this situation in my practice actually where people either one of the partners dies or there's a divorce or even somebody's just away for an extended period of time and the person that's not quite as outgoing, right, they suffer. They, they are like, it's almost like a, like a, like a, a huge loss because they don't know how to connect with other people so they stay inside they you know they don't really go out right um i i usually help them see this as an opportunity for them to grow this skill because like anything else like a muscle if you don't practice it it atrophies but if you practice it it can get stronger and bigger and you can use it more right so so how do they what do you tell them to do well you gotta start small (laughs) you know like look at the person at Tim Hortons and smile right I mean you know maybe just you know say hi or thank you right Um, just little things like that to start to to do it but a a lot of it is there's there's a lot of unconscious um, uh, subtle communication that happens with like situations like this so it might not be that the person who is really talkative thinks the other person's incompetent they're like their heart is in the right place but the person who is always being spoken for might think oh well I, I'm not good at this or I don't know how to do this yeah. or maybe I shouldn't have I shouldn't have a voice or whatever right so just understanding that no everybody deserves a voice you can be good at this because it's a skill it's not something you're born with uh, so you can learn it right it just takes practice but understanding that you know this is something you can work on and get better at can start to change that whole thing and it really is an opportunity to start to become more competent in this area and you know this happens with couples whether it's oh well so-and-so handles the finances or this person cuts the law and I don't know how to start the law more right so there there are always gonna be gaps when we have when we share uh, or distribute labor but this is an opportunity for you to you know be more well-rounded in in lots of areas uh, Pete out of Red Deer says he was terrible at public 
public speaking, went to auction school, and I've been on stage thousands of times. He says he's so happy that I moved past the fears, and then in quotes it says, feel the fear and do it anyway. Yes, and that's the that's actually the title of a wonderful book <laughs> with great practice, too. Um, you know? You're scared. That's okay. Do do whatever you need to do. It's going to move your life forward, right? One of the things my dad used to say, he said that the only difference between a hero and a coward is the direction in which they run. <laughs> so that's that's the bottom line, right? You can feel the fear. Do what is going to help you move forward anyway. And, and it might not be pretty the first time. It well, mine definitely was not, <laughs> or the second or the fifteenth. Uh, you know what? But look at I'm on the radio now, right? Yeah. And you know it's it's it has been a journey. But again, there is training for it, right? You would would mentioned um, Toastmasters, right? Yes. I've I've done like media training. I've done done, done uh, like a media boot camp like three times, right? And there's there are, there are great courses like Carnegie Carnegie uh, Carnegie courses and all sorts of things that can really help people do better at it. Because once you know the skills. And then you have somebody that can coach you and provide a safe environment to sort of deal with the emotions of this stuff. Yeah. Then stuff starts to flow. But, you know, the, the, the bottom baseline thing about this is it's really not about you as a person trying to have the conversation if you remember that you just want to be interested in the other individual mm-hmm. and that in most cases... Everybody else is also in their heads and also thinking about, oh, my goodness, how am I looking? What's going on here, right? (laughs) So they're really not worried about judging you, okay? Okay. And those that are, well, you can kind of forget them anyway. Uh, Ryan says, as a follow-up to your your question about what happens when someone presumes to speak for somebody else for a long time, as I've uh, witnessed in my extended family, it sometimes ends up in a huge blow-up. At a family celebration, right? Sometimes people just say, "I've had enough." Yep, I've had enough. I have it. I have the right to have an opinion too, right? Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jason says, he, "Okay, you know what? I have a problem with eye contact. I feel awkward mm. and anxious during Christmas and uh, Thanksgiving events. I often watch people's mouth instead. Not mm-hmm. sure if that's uninviting. That's something that we wanted to get to in this conversation. So we'll take a break here. Coming up here at uh, 3:27, we wanted to. We mentioned be curious, but we mm-hmm. can find out a little bit more about that. But we have more tips for when it comes to being the person people want to talk to. This conversation is kind of morphed into. <laughs> public speaking as well mm-hmm. but uh, if you have a question or a comment 780-496-0063 because this is something that I think for everybody we can relate to in some way <laughs> edition of Dr. Gans and how does that make you feel? Dr. Gans Ferentz in studio. Um, we bumped up the end of December <laughs> conversation to today because of scheduling and, and that sort of stuff. And we're talking about being a conversationalist and being a, a listener. Yeah. Uh, and it also morphed into public speaking, which is a huge conversation mm-hmm. right now as well, because as, as Gans mentioned, that that's a big fear <laughs> for a lot of people. Someone, right. someone had texted in earlier and said, my my uh, my kids were in 4-H and they all mm-hmm. had to get up and do a presentation and they were terrified about it, and, and but they got through it. Yep. 
And and that's the thing. I mean, it, especially when you're young, it's, it's like anything, like learning swimming, right? Some kids are scared of the water. And if you yeah. kind of ease them into it slowly and stuff like that, they, they get over their fears, yeah. right? So um, public speaking or speaking to adults or speaking to other kids or whatever yeah. it is, it's one of those things. And, and the more, it's generally the more we avoid our fears, the bigger our fears seem to be. So. Uh, kids who are painfully shy, even mm-hmm. adults who are painfully shy, what does that stem from? Well, it can be a lot of different things. I mean, there's legitimate social anxiety that mm-hmm. people people deal with, right? Um, and, you know, it can be because they were teased or because they feel they don't have a voice, which we discussed earlier, yeah. or anything like that, right? But the bottom line is that um, with anything, if, if the... If the environment is um, gentle enough and supportive enough and the person is willing to try and just, you know, kind of work on the edges of their comfort zone and and get out of their comfort zone just slightly, anybody can build better skills Mm -hmm. at whatever it is they feel that they're afraid of, right? Especially something like speaking. And because, you know, again, it's a life skill, right? I mean, if you have this down, your life is going to be a lot easier and a lot better because you can connect with people and you can ask for the raise or you can ask for the date or whatever. (laughs) Ask for the raise? What? (laughs) That's a tricky one. Um, But, so this is what we're talking about, being a a person that people want to, to talk to. So if you're you're just joining us this afternoon, um, being a good conversationalist is a a skill uh, that that takes some work Mm. on it. There are some things that you want to remember that will help you. We start number one, seek first to understand, then be understood. Be interested in hearing about other Mm -hmm. people. Attention, validation are huge gifts. Doesn't Mm -hmm. It it doesn't matter if it's an adult or a kid. It doesn't matter. Everybody. We all love it. uh, Be curious. Be willing to ask questions. Just don't go on and on about yourself. <laughs> ask questions about the person you're talking to. A- ask questions, but also ask follow-up questions. Yeah. Right? Be, be curious about who you're talking to, but be curious about the con... con- whatever the concept is as well you know you brought up the uh your friend who was at the wedding with the teenager yes. right? and that that's brilliant because like oh video games well i don't know anything about video games so i guess we don't have anything to talk about right or video games oh wow i i don't know anything about video games tell me about video yeah. games i don't i would love to learn what are the games what kind of games are there first person are there you know what 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 uh, what is the difference how how did you get into video games what do the games do you like how long you know there's lots of things and especially if you're tapping in like real legitimate curiosity to something that somebody's really excited about well the conversation is going to run itself after that so that means you have to be in a conversation and actually listen absolutely you have to listen with the intent of processing what someone is saying not just waiting for <laughs> for them to shut up to, for them to <laughs> shut up so you can speak again right right, right? exactly right it's it's and and you know, we, we think sometimes, sometimes it's just like a little bit of narcissism. We feel like we need to be heard, right? But a lot of times it's it's true, um, in a sense, overinvestment in the process, right? We, we get really nervous. We get worried. We get, you know, whatever. And so we're a bit anxious. And so then we don't really hear the person, right? And we think we have to fill the silence with, with speaking. <laughs> and so it's not always that, you know, it has to be about us, but because it's quiet and we feel, oh, no, it's Ooh. quiet. What's going on? Ah, okay, blah, 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 blah right? Um, that's, you know, you don't have to do that. You really, you know, it's far better to slow down, take your time, 
be really present and be genuinely interested in the other person, who they are, but also what their likes are, what they're not, you know, what they don't like. And, and then once you're, once you're sort of out of your own head, that's a lot easier to be still and take your time and, and do the things you need to carry on a good conversation. So this is what you mean by practice drive-through talking. Yeah. Okay. okay. So drive-through talking. So this is something, actually, I use this a lot. I use this in my therapy with couples or families, anybody that's doing some communication. I do this in workshops uh, and my talks and stuff. So if you think about, you know, I, I remember when, I'm old enough to remember when like McDonald's and Kentucky Fried Chicken and all these guys really kind of showed up here in Edmonton, right? And it was so cool to have a drive through So you go up, you give the order, you drive ahead, you get a bag, you drive off, and it's the wrong order, right? <laughs> so it's like, ah, oh, man, right? So what they did to cut down on complaints and having to kind of reimburse people, give them extra food, is they started to repeat the order mm-hmm. or put it on the board. And it's a simple thing, takes a few seconds, but it, it saved them a ton of money and a ton of grief for the customers. So drive-through talking is the same thing. When somebody's talking, we all have filters. The person speaking has a filter in terms of how they understand language, what their experiences are. So they might not even get to fully express properly what it is they're actually thinking or feeling. So getting it out might not be super efficient. We have, as the as receivers, as listeners, we also have our own filters and experiences. So hearing, if we even hear what they said, it may not get in the right way either, right? So there's, there's, there are these two filters that are in the way. So... What you can do to help with that is do the drive-through talking. So, Jaylin, you were telling me about this friend of yours. Were you saying that they were actually happy and interested in this teenager, or were they just sort of like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so you check. Were, were you saying this? Is this what I'm hearing? Is that right? Right? What that does, first of all, it forces you to be a much more active listener, but then it also shows the other individual that you're actually paying attention, yeah, yeah. right? A lot of times what we do instead of drive-through talking, we do drive-by talking, right? <laughs> Which is, you know, somebody says something, oh, yeah, I got it. Yeah, okay, I know what you're saying, right? And, and we have no idea what they're saying or even we may not even have heard them to tell you the truth. I think that that is a is a good way uh, to remember someone's name. Yep. You know, w- when you're introduced, and we re- repeat mm-hmm. it back a, mm-hmm. yeah, a few times. Mm-hmm. It's also a, a great way to remember down the road if you run into that person again, something about yeah, them, maybe their, the, yeah. their dog, eh, their dog, their their daughter, their, their whatever mm-hmm. it is. And when you can recall that. Mm-hmm. And say, and, and what, you remembered that? Oh, yeah. That is, again, that's validation, that's absolutely, isn't it? I was about to say it's validation because it shows that they're significant enough for you to see them not just in whatever interaction uh-huh. you're having right now, whatever transaction you're having, but them as a person. There's something about them that stuck with you that you remember, and that's it, it, it connects you with people like, like nothing else. So it's also something that the person who is doing the listening has to realize that you might not be able to ever get to that point where you get to tell the story that you want to tell because you might run out of time. Something or, might happen. Or it might not the, fit anymore. The, the, the conversation might go in a different yeah, exactly. direction. And you have exactly. to be okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or, or remember it for another time or whatever. But, yeah. but you know what? The, the, the conversation is about reciprocity. It's not about 
just like blurting out facts. That's a different kind of thing, right? So that's a report. Um, but in terms of reciprocity, it's, it's, it's really about how we feel in conversation as opposed to the information that's exchanged in most cases. There are specific conversations that are about exchanging information. That's different. But social interaction, it's about connecting. That's it. Yeah. The, the, the words, the topics, all these things, they're just the carrier, okay? Um, what's really the essence of it is the feelings, the emotions, right? And, and so... Being able to um, show them that I understand what you're saying, I show you by repeating it so mm-hmm. I, that you know I get it mm-hmm. versus telling you, yeah, 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 I get it. Or or worse <laughs> yet, just giving you an answer to something you never asked, right? My, my psychologist, so he <laughs> he reminded me, we, uh, my wife and I were going through some stuff and so I was talking to him about kind of figuring out how, how, we, how can we do this better? And he said, you know, part of the problem is you guys both speak the same language. Mm. I said, really? That's usually a good thing, <laughs> right? But he says, no. If you, if you spoke different languages, you would have to work a lot harder to make sure you understand what the other person's meaning. But because you both speak English, you assume that what she says is, by your definition, she assumes what you say means a certain thing too. And so we don't usually take the time to dig into it, like just like we're suggesting here with the drive-through talking, to really understand what this person means by, you know, I'm tired today or, you know, I'm sick of this. Isn't there something, and I think there is, and I, I don't know if we're going to go off, uh, <laughs> we're going to turn turn right here. I, I, someone gave me a book or someone told me to read a book about mm-hmm. love languages. Yes, yes. And in, Five love languages, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, different, the different way that, mm-hmm. that, that people communicate in relationships. Well, especially around how they show love. Yes. Right? So, so... You know, there are several of them, and, and no one is one pure, just a, one out of five, right? We're a combination of them, right? But that that is that is actually true. Okay. We, we tend to give love or show love in the way that we like to receive love, okay? Mm-hmm. But that's not, <laughs> that's not always how the other person wants to receive love. Like, I really like words of affirmation. That's one of those things, right? Like, if somebody tells me something, their words carry a lot of weight for me, right? Other people, you know, it's acts of service. So, yes. you know, if I... You know, fill up your car, or I, you know, I take out the garbage, or whatever. Oh, you love me. Do, do you know what I mean? And, and so, if I'm telling somebody that, oh, you're wonderful, I love it, I, I love you, blah blah blah, and I never do anything for them, and their love language is acts of service, they're gonna feel like I don't love them. And I'm here banging my head against the wall, <laughs> figuring, well, I, I don't know what else to do, right? I've told her, right? Yeah. You know, so so it I is. Told you I love you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so it is one of those things yeah. where it takes communication. And, and some self-awareness. I, I recommend people read that book and discuss it with their partners back, basically. Okay. But uh, it takes some understanding and then some discussion about uh, what feels like love to you. I actually yeah. do that. I, I do a feels like love or what I call love menu yeah. with my people. It's like, what, what feels like love to you? Let's, let's make a list. So you make a list, I make a list. Okay. And especially with couples, I tell them to do this and then go compare their lists. And yeah. it's like, they're like shocked. It's like, what? I didn't know you liked that. Mm. Oh, really? I just did that on the off chance. It's like, you like that? Okay, awesome. And it's a great way to learn more about each other. A love menu sounds like a fun Wednesday night yeah. as well. So there you go. One of the things that you talked about connecting during conversation mm. is uh, one of those things that is really important is your body language, is eye contact. It's it's all of that. And we had a text about that earlier about you know mm. eye contact. Let's talk about that when we come back. Absolutely. a great conversationalist 
You need to be a great listener. Absolutely. To be a great conversationalist. Dr. Gans Ferentz joining me in studio and wanted to get to this just before we get to the one of the final things. You have a big event coming up in April. Yeah, yeah. Come hang out with me for a day in Whistler. Oh, beautiful. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've never been there. I'm looking forward to going. Um, but myself and another uh, psychologist, Dr. Ken Keyes, we're going to be doing something on living from your authentic center. So help he helps you figure out your values. I help you figure out how to fuel that life. And uh, yeah, so you get to hang out and it'll be fun. This is what we want to do and then how to do it. So where Absolutely. do people find out more? My events page. Um, okay. So go to my website, askdrgaz.com, go to events, and it's right there. Okay. So when we're talking about conversations, point number four was make sure your face is in on the deal. I would suggest <laughs> not just your face, but your entire body. All of it, right? So exactly. Like, you know, tone of voice, body language, facial expression, all those things carry way more of the message than the actual words do, okay? So I know this is radio, so you can't see what I look like, but hey, Jalen, I'm really glad to be here today. Hey, Jalen, <laughs> I'm really glad to be here today, right? Same yeah. words. Yep. Totally different feeling. Well, you, you have the benefit of seeing me. <laughs> the <but> eye rolling, <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> but, you, know, you know what I mean? So they, they say that it's really 90, 93% of the message in most conversation is in all the nonverbals, right? And the words are only 7%. So when you're, you know, if you really want to be a good conversation, if you, if you want to be somebody that people connect with, have your body get in on the deal, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if there's something exciting or somebody's telling you something exciting, look and act and feel excited, right? If if they're sad, you know, like, be be aware and be part of that yeah. energy, right? So you, you can kind of go into that. But especially when you're communicating something, you want to make sure that the words you're saying and your body language, your facial expression, your tone of voice, all of those things are in keeping, are in alignment with what you're really trying to communicate. Otherwise, it's kind of confusing and people kind of feel off and then you can get into trouble that way. Some people have a real challenge with uh, making eye contact, yeah. holding eye contact. Yep. Uh, we had a text uh, about that earlier. Tend to, they said they tend to look at mouths mm -hmm. instead. Mm -hmm. um, is there a way to work on that? So that's an interesting one, right? Because like there are certain cultures where eye contact mm -hmm. is considered, um, you know, you don't right. It's it's disrespectful or yes. whatever, right? So it depends on your cultural background, right? But generally in North America, it is or Western culture anyway. It, eye contact is a sign of connection mm -hmm. and respect and that sort of thing. So it, it's just like anything else. We can learn it. We can learn it. Um, I remember, like you know, I was in the states in the eighties and nineties, and we're you know there was a like rash of crack babies that came out. Mm -hmm. And one of the things with the crack babies is, you know, eye contact was actually extremely agitating to them, oh, right? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, they couldn't they couldn't connect because their their nervous system was so wound up, they're running hot that if you made eye contact with them it was just overwhelming. Huh. So what they had to do, what you'd have to do is you'd have to kind of kind of just kind of go sideways to them and just maybe glance at them every now and then and they'd take that in and they'd look away and you would have to look away and you, you actually general, gradually build up to having a little more eye contact with them and it actually was healing to them. But the same process occurs with us if we are super shy or we're not used to making eye contact. You don't have to go stare into somebody's eyes for the next five minutes and not say anything. That could be kind of weird for people, right? <laughs> but but you can just kind of play with it a little mm -hmm. bit. You know, so if this person's like looking at the person's mouth and seeing what they're saying, and you know, that's fine. Every now and then just glance up to the eyes. Okay, that's good. When it becomes a little too overwhelming, go back and look at the mouth okay. or look around or, huh, 
What's the nature look like? You know, like what's that tree, right? Um, do something to break it up. Okay. You don't have to force it, but if you do little by little, you get better at it yeah. and you get more comfortable with it and your nervous system starts to take in that, oh, we can do this and this is something that is okay. I think some people might find that eye contact, again, it's uh, a respect thing in some yeah. cultures, but some people just might find it too intimate yeah. for someone that you don't know. Well, it, it can be, yeah. right? But, and, and, yeah, yeah. And, and, but it's also, I guess what I would say is we don't have to lose ourselves in that yeah. just because we're connecting with somebody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be a good person that people want to be connected with, we have to be sensitive not yeah. just to our own feelings, but to the other individual's feelings yeah. too. So if we find that the other person's freaked out by our really good eye contact, <laughs> maybe we look away sometimes They're too, too, right? They're too intense. They're <laughs> too intense. Well, that's, that's a good point. see my soul. That, yeah. That's a really good point. I, yeah. I remember when my grandma and my grandparents were alive and when I was younger, they both had very strong British accents mm-hmm. and I had troubles understanding them. They were my grandparents, but mm-hmm. I had troubles understanding them. And I found that if I watched their mouth, mm-hmm. that, that was easier for me to try to, Connect, to get to what hear. they were yeah, saying mm-hmm. and, and, and get it to get it through. Yeah. Um, it was odd. I mean, you know, for some people it might have been, but it helped me yeah. at times as well. Well, I'm a better listener when my glasses are on. So, uh, well, I, I am. I can hear. I can understand better. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because when I can see the person, I can hear. Yeah. I can see their mouth. I can see their body language better. I'm, I'm more acutely aware. So, a lot to think about. So, keep <laughs> some of those tips in mind over the holidays. Maybe at the at the work Christmas party. Maybe mm-hmm. when you're meeting the potential in-laws for the first time or, or the potential future mate for the first yes, time. Yes, <laughs> yeah, you never know. Maybe you're traveling and maybe you're meeting some strangers for the first time. Lots there. Um, if you want to go back and take a listen to it, it's on the afternoon, 6.30 Chet Afternoons webpage. We'll have it podcasted as well. Tons of information on Dr. Gans' website at AskDrGans.com. Gans, thank you for joining me. Hey, glad to be here. And I think I'm seeing you on Christmas you Eve too, right? You are seeing me on Christmas Eve. Drop by. Can't yeah, get it off. That's right. All right. So we'll see you before then. Thanks Bye-bye. for the skins.